You're listening to the Wanderlust Swingers Podcast with Aussie hosts Kate and Daryl. If you're curious about exploring your sexuality or the swinging, hot wifing and non-monogamous lifestyle, you've definitely come to the right podcast. Or maybe you just love travel adventures. Either way, we share our personal, sometimes juicy, sexy stories as well as swingers club and event reviews, interviews with other sassy people and of course our global swinging adventures. We try to bring you a look into the diverse lifestyle that the swinging and non-monogamous community has. We hope you enjoy. Now let's get into the episode. Hey guys and welcome to episode 144 of the Wanderlust Swingers podcast. Today's episode is about Nashville, Nashville Swingers. Now clubs are different all over the world and we've been to some shady ones, fancy ones, everything in between. Honestly, Daryl and I over the last six years around the world have been to a lot of clubs. I recently had the opportunity to go to the United States for a business trip and I spent some time in Nashville. So today's episode is all about Nashville, what we got up to, a review of the Swingers Club, some interview later with me and Andy. And finally, I'm going to close it out with some female glory hole lit rotica. And if you hang around, you'll find out why I'm doing some lit rotica on a glory hole. But first, what is news with us? So we kind of teased it out in a recent episode that we are moving countries again. And this was a very last minute decision. Of course, all of our Patreon members know where we're moving to, but we're ready to kind of talk to you guys about it. So we are off to the Netherlands. And I teased this on social media saying that we're moving countries and I kind of teased it as saying, you know, we're going to Sin City. And a lot of people obviously said, oh, my God, you're moving to Vegas. Like, this is so exciting. Like, you're going to be in America. You're going to be so close to us. Like, we're going to go here. Like, we'll come and visit you when you get settled. And, and I did that because I was trying to throw people off the scent because Amsterdam and the Netherlands is classified as like the original city of sin, places that allow red light districts, that have legalized prostitution, that have unions around it, like all of these things. So that's where we're moving to. We're moving about 25 minutes south of Amsterdam and we're moving in like two weeks' time. So we made this decision within, I think, 48 hours of when we were offered a role, a job there, and we decided to just take it. So we're going to go away from Croatia and we're heading to the Netherlands. And the reason I'm so, so excited, guys, like I can't, even begin to talk to you about how excited I am about this move because the liberal people that live there, the LGBT rights, like it is just amazing. And the swingers clubs and BDSM clubs and parties and everything that we're going to be able to attend in the Netherlands is just blowing my mind already. So if you've been to the Netherlands, hit us up, let us know what you thought about it, what's your favorite club, where you want us to go. We're going to try and do some YouTube videos, visit a ton of new locations and kind of really get in amongst it. And I'm also very excited because the Netherlands actually has the contraception that I need to be injected with every three months. They also do STI, STD testing that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. I'm just bloody excited, guys. So that's what's up with us. We are heading to the Netherlands. So if you're a long-time listener of us, like back, back, back in the day for like swinging down under days and then going to Wanderlust Swingers days, We recently heard from a new listener and they said they were like up to episode 12 or something like that. And they said, you know, like you're back in the Australia days and then they they got got a little bit further along and they sent me a new email and they said, holy shit, you've just moved to Singapore. And I wrote back to them and I'm like, hold the fucking reins because (laughs) you guys, you guys are in for like a treat, man. I said, we just, we've moved to Singapore. Yeah, we moved to Croatia. Now we're on our way to, to the Netherlands. So 
Yeah. So if you guys have been with us for the long haul, if you're listening to this and it's another move and you're like, wow, new stuff, like thank you so, so much for all of the amazing support through the years. Um, you guys are really the MVPs here. Before we get into the episode, I do have to do my cultural tidbit and I have two today. These are not Nashville specific, they're Tennessee specific, but I thought they were too funny not to share. So here we go. First cultural tidbit. You can move in with your girlfriends, but not too many of them. If eight or more women are living together in a Tennessee house, it's considered a brothel. It is technically considered illegal for a woman to call a man and ask him out on a date. What the hell? So hold on, let me just repeat that. That's two of them. You can move in with girlfriends, but eight or more women that live together in a house in, a, in Tennessee is considered a brothel. And it is considered illegal for a woman to call a man and ask him out on a date. So bad news for all of those uh, hot wives out there. Uh, all those swinger hot wives, uh, apparently if you try to do that, then that is illegal in Tennessee. It's only illegal in a very specific area of Tennessee, but I just thought that was ridiculous and I had to share that on the podcast today. So ladies, put your puss back in your pants and uh, wait for him to call you, I guess. Um, not really independent woman, really, they're happening in Tennessee, but hey, what are you going to do, right? Crazy, crazy laws. So I went to Palm Springs and then I had the opportunity to head over into Nashville and while I was there, we I was kind of celebrating my birthday. I was catching up with some friends, visiting the local club, and it was just a really, really awesome weekend. And I want to use the, the word wholesome, which might not quite resonate with how you understand the swinging lifestyle. Like I'm talking about sex, I'm talking about pussies and cocks and like everything else. How am I saying that's wholesome? Over the past few years, I've always kind of said that every time I'm around other people, in the lifestyle, it fills my power up like I'm in an arcade game. And then as I go away from these people and I'm back in the real world, it slowly, slowly depletes my power bar. And that's why I'm saying this weekend was wholesome for me. Being around just really awesome, open-minded people and just having these great conversations about whatever comes to mind is, is just so, so powerful for me. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who came. Specific, uh, we have a few here. I'm going to mention their names. So Monogamish came down from Canada, which I just can't believe it. I was like so amazed by that. We had Average come in, Naughty Jim, Swing Nation, Anna, Not Your Average, Mr. and Mrs., Sexy Social, of course, Andy and Dave, who I stayed with. Thank you, guys. Semi-fun couple and a bunch of other people as well. So I just want to make sure that I'm saying thank you very much for traveling in, for coming to Friday night, for hanging out with us at the club, just for having such a great time. And speaking of the club, we did actually do a full YouTube walkthrough of the particular club that we're going to talk about today. And it was myself and it was Angie from The Average Swingers and it was Andy from Double Date Nation. And I'm in the process of editing that. So if you guys want to find that, just head to our website, click on the video section, go to YouTube. And if you're subscribed, you'll get the alert when that's basically available. But I'm looking forward to editing that. Uh, I do have to get my ass in a gear to edit <laughs> and put it up online. But yeah, if you guys are interested to kind of see the walkthrough of the club, like that will be super, super fun. Now, club fun story time. There have been so many clubs around the world that we have been to, and each one, honestly, as I said in the intro, is different to the next. Some might feel like a copy and paste, but with smaller differences, and it's really great to kind of experience these. There was something at this club that is a first for many people probably listening, and that is a female glory hole. Now, at the end of this podcast, I'm actually going to read and share some glory hole lit rotica with you guys, so hang in tight for that. But before we get to that, I want to share this interview that Andy and I did on the Sunday after we visited the club on Saturday night. So I'm going to hand this over now to the pre-recorded version of myself and Andy, and uh, we'll get back to it and we'll see you guys soon. 
G'day guys and welcome back to the Wanderlust Wings podcast. I'm here today and I'm joined by my, my co-host, Andy from Double Date Nation. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Thank you. But more importantly, I mean, you're important. I, I love you, <laughs> but we all know that I flew all the way to Nashville to, to meet Stewie. Of course. Yeah. So he's the co-co-host mm-hmm. with the yes. mostest. Um, but today we're actually going to talk about a new club that opened up in Nashville three months ago. And we're going to give it a little bit of a reviewy poo. Mm-hmm. So that's the theatre group in Nashville. They are changing their name. They gave us the inside scoop on that. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Ah, oh, fuck it. I am going to. I think it's the Red Room or something. I think the Mansion or something like the that. The Red Room, I believe. The Mansion, the Red yeah. Room, something like that. But we'll update the show notes once we know that information because I don't know what it is for sure yet. But it's a brand new club, three months in Nashville. We went there on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Technically, we went there Saturday. Right. Because we filmed a YouTube video as well that we're it's going amazing. to like, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to do a whole other podcast, a whole other YouTube that's just bloopers. Right. <laughs> That'd be great. Perfect. So yeah, so we're going to talk about this new club in, in Nashville. Um, let's just really kick straight into it. If you haven't been to a swingers club before, some of this might be surprising for you, might be different. If you've been to a swingers club before, you probably know kind of the ins and outs, but each club is a little bit unique with some of the ways that they, they manage things. First of all, I just want to talk about the admin side of the house. Like, how do you actually go to a club? What were your thoughts on the general, like, membership ticketing purchase situation? Right. It, I think it was, to me, it was very similar to other clubs. You know, they had their um, requirements to join. Uh, you had to give a screen name and, you know, show if you were on other websites. Um, and then in our state, in Tennessee, um, you have a 24-hour requirement. A 24-hour before you come, they have to have your information Um so it was pretty similar, um, pretty easy to work with to, um, to to get signed up and find the event. It was pretty easy. Yeah, that is an interesting thing that you bring up there. The you must in Tennessee, you must have a membership to the club. That's a requirement. That's a requirement in some other states as well. But with the membership, sometimes it's just a piece of paperwork. You, you can do it on the night. But in Tennessee, you have to go onto the website and apply more than 24 hours beforehand because you also need to give the owners time to approve you. But that is something that I think is interesting for people to know that you can't just kind of on a Friday night on a whim Mm -hmm. decide you're going to go, hey, honey, let's go visit a swingers club. Like there's some pre-thought that goes into this. Right, right. Can't just say, I want to get freaky at the last minute. Nope. Exactly. (laughs) You probably shouldn't be doing that like on a random Friday night anyway. (laughs) Eating spaghetti bolognese like, hey, let's go to a swingers club. Why not? Why not? Unless that's your jam and then just, you know, go for it. But that was something that I thought was was different, I think, than I've experienced before, just the inability to rock up. Mm-hmm. You know? Daryl and I used to do that all the time in Australia, especially we didn't have a heater in our house and it was cold in winter. And we would just go to the swingers club to sit in the hot tub. <laughs> and warmth. Yeah. I'm not even joking. We just go there and we're like, well, it's, <laughs> it's cold in our house. It's hot here and we can have drinks and talk to naked people. There you go. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you, you needing to kind of apply in advance was something a little bit different for me. But otherwise, yeah, you're right. Like the process is pretty similar to most other clubs. You submit your photo, you put a screen name up, and depending on how much information you want to share on your profile is up to you. You can go into a lot of detail about what you're looking for or just leave it pretty bare, which is exactly what I did. Yeah. I was super lazy with mine. Here's a photo. My name's Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing. It was, it was pretty basic. Um, it was kind of nice, though, because we got notifications that people liked our profile or sent us their pass key to see their information. and. Um, so again, and that's similar to the other clubs that we've been to. So what would you, in terms of the cost to attend and for the membership, would you say in your experience, that's pretty similar to maybe what you see in Tennessee in general, or maybe what you see throughout the United States in general? What was that like for you? 
So I liked the fact that they offered a monthly membership. So, and you could turn off it. Of course, it's a recurring situation and they're very clear about that up front. You know, this is going to continue to charge you monthly, but then you can go to an event and cancel your recur after the, you know, after that. So that was unusual because a lot of times the membership fees kind of pricey. And if you're really only planning to go to one event, it's like, dang, you know, you yeah. don't really get that back. So, so I liked that about the theater group that I could, you know, kind of make that decision after I go to an event instead of being kind of stuck into it. Yeah. And you, you can upgrade to, you know, the year or whatever at that point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause a lot of the clubs that we've been to with memberships, it's maybe a minimum three months. Mm-hmm. And if you are only going there for one night, you know, say you're visiting the state, it can feel like a bit of a rort. Whereas I think this one was like what eleven or twelve dollars by the by the, off the top of my head for the mm-hmm. month membership. So that wasn't too bad. Right. And the entry fees to the club, honestly, for me, I think it's pretty standard for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's obviously very different in Europe and Australia and Asia and stuff like that. But for the United States, I think the pricing of the actual going to the events is pretty stock standard. Yeah, it I was. didn't really feel like it was on the low side or on the high side. I just thought it was just pretty much even keel. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Now the venue. You've been to other clubs here in Nashville, and I haven't. So I don't know whether this is usual for a venue here in Nashville, whether it's different. Uh, obviously, I can compare it to other clubs in the States, but I'd be interested to kind of hear what your thoughts thoughts are on like the setup when you walk in, how they take your details. Like, Is that fairly common for what you've seen in Tennessee? It, it was. Uh, it was very similar. It was a bit newer, like uh, it's in an older structure itself, but they have done a lot of work to update things. So uh, it was easy to see things, but yet it wasn't like lights right in your face too. Um, and the staff was very, very nice as you walk in and kind of go through your information. Um, it was, it was very similar. There, there wasn't, there wasn't a huge difference there. I think it's kind of just the same plan when you go into any club in the States, you know, you kind of have to go through that initial process mm. when you walk in the door. Um, but yeah, it was pretty similar. Nothing, nothing new major. Yeah. I think that when we first started thinking about going to a swingers club in my head, I thought I'm going to walk through these doors. And even before I've taken a step into the premises, like there's going to be hot, heavy, sweaty sex happening. <laughs> um, and then when you visit your first club and there's that, I, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a kind of a holding bay when you mm-hmm. first get through. So you go through the first set of doors and that's where you would, you know, talk about the details of the membership. Check They check your details, make sure you have the tickets already purchased. And then you walk through a second set of doors, right. you know, so that's how a lot of the clubs here operate. And I think that's quite good because mm-hmm. it adds an extra layer of privacy. So if you did, for example, have any looky-loos standing out on the street, mm-hmm. there's two sets of doors. So it, it'd be so rare for somebody to be able to see what's going on inside the club unless they were standing in that front section. So I always like that. Extra privacy always mm-hmm. matters to me. But going into the, the main club, I mean, it's, I thought it was pretty big, that, that main mingle section. So as you walk through that second set of doors, there is, and you'll see this on the YouTube, there is a huge section for mingling and dancing. And that, I liked the open plan nature of it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And they had the couches off to the sides and stuff like that and the dance floor in the middle. Is the VIP thing kind of new for Nashville, has that been done before? It, it has. So uh, Minaj, the, the club that's kind of was Nashville's staple club for 25, 30 years, um, did have a VIP section and it always seemed to be in use. Uh, so I think that's popular. Um, it's kind of the bird's eye view, the ultimate people watching location, and it's kind of a centralized location for your group to easily come and go. It's close to the restrooms, it's close to the DJ. And so I think that's that's a cool idea, especially if you have a birthday party or mm, yeah. an event, so you can not worry about trying to hone in on tables and save everything. Yeah, yeah. And the tables and chairs thing for me, when I think about the clubs I've visited overseas, it 
to have tables and chairs near the dance floor for me is, is a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. It's generally not something we, – we definitely don't see it in clubs in Australia, but that's probably a space thing because our clubs are – significantly smaller because so is our population. <laughs> um, so to have this idea of all these tables and chairs sitting in the middle is, is a little bit different and kind of bizarre for me. It felt Sometimes it feels out of place. And this is not just for the theatre group. That's something I see in many, many clubs around America. So when you walk in and you see this huge space and you know beautiful couches kind of lining either side for that that more VIP experience, but the tables and chairs, does that does that just go common for you or is that something where you're like, oh, that's different? So I've always had this strange, I don't know, I, this take on it because when I'm out there dancing and you have people that get there early and they have their spot and they're sitting at their little table and chairs and they really don't move from that. You kind of feel like, a, I don't know, like you're in a, you're being, you're, you're a specimen being watched. So yeah, it's like an li- animal in a zoo. Yeah. It's a little close for that. Like you have an audience that you can just reach out and touch. So I do like a little more space mm-hmm. personally. I do think it's a good idea to have ample seating, but maybe not so close to the dance floor. Right. Because the worst thing ever is, especially if you're new to this and you get to a club a little bit late and there's nowhere to sit and you're just awkwardly like in the corner, mm-hmm. like don't know what to do with your hands. <laughs> so so I think ample seating's good, but maybe designed a little differently. And again, they're kind of pushed on space, I think, at the theater group as well. So I'm not sure what the answer would be. Even maybe like tall, like bar tables where there's not necessarily chairs, at least where you can put your things and put your hands. (laughs) So maybe that's a thought. Yeah. Well, that's actually always been my thing. I mean, I remember when Daryl and I first started dating other people in the lifestyle and we we started going to actual dinner dates, right? And you're sitting down. Mm -hmm. And I remember this feeling of like, well, we're stuck here now. You know what I mean? And I think that I, I decided very early that if we were going to go to a bar, well, we, we never do full dinners at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm so veto on doing full dinners unless I really, really think there's going to be an awesome connection or I know the people. So generally I'd prefer to do a high top, standing up, no seats and like nibble foods like tappers. So I think you're right. Like having some taller tables, somewhere you can just put your drink and stand around it. It also allows more space because if you're at a table of four and as you said, you kind of sat down and you're hunkered into your like section of the club and you're like, this is me. I'm staying here now. You're limiting the ability for anyone to come and talk to you. Mm-hmm. So people aren't going to walk up to you and actually try to strike up a conversation. One, because you're sitting down. So the height differential is just bizarre. You know, you're kind of like holding court over the top of somebody. But two, it just feels really closed off. Whereas I think those high tables sometimes can be a little bit more welcoming and more roaming capabilities. People come and go and come out and feel like they're more welcome to come over and join in on the conversation. I don't know. It's just my sensation. But I liked, I did like the, the space. It was quite big. I liked the little VIP, the couch section. I liked the the bar, the bar over to the right-hand side with kind of the chairs on it too, you know, those high chairs, which, which is a great area, which is actually where the single men, the single gentlemen are allowed to mm-hmm. kind of hang out. And they can roam around the club is my understanding, but they can't hover was the words of one of the owners, you know. <laughs> they can roam, they can't hover. Right. Um, which I liked. But overall, I thought that the, the bartenders uh, did a great job as well. I didn't feel like it was, it, I mean, it wasn't spectacularly busy, but they had enough space, I think, around the bar as well that I think even if they did have even double the capacity that they had on the Saturday night when we were there, I don't feel like that section would be overrun. Right. So I thought the bar size was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. true. And they had a 
ton of great mixers and, you know, they had, if you just wanted a soft drink. So, um, bartender was working really hard and keeping up with everything. And she was, she was also kind of buzzing around and making sure things were cleaned up. And, um, so that was, yeah, Yeah. she's doing a great job. She came and delivered some water to us on another table Mm -hmm. during the evening, which I really liked. I thought that was really just, well, one, it's super sensible. Um, but it's just really lovely, you know, that they're, they're looking out for you, but you are, I think the, the mixer situation at the theater group was probably above and beyond what I've seen at many, many clubs around the United States. Sometimes it'll just be, you know, on the um, bar mix, just like maybe some cola or some lemonade or something like that, and then water, and then maybe a juice or something. But I mean, their rack that they had of all the different things that were available, I thought was pretty extensive. Right. I haven't, I don't think I've seen that before. So at least not for free. A lot of times they charge. And of course, you always want to tip your bartender, but um, yeah, it was just whatever you need. Yeah, that's a PSA right there. If you're going somewhere, like just tip your bartender a little bit. Absolutely. Chuck in some extra dollars. I know you've paid to get into the club, but you know, just just tip your bartender. <laughs> All the same. Likely the bartender does not own the place. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't, when you paid to get in, you were not paying her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or him. Yeah. What about, so let's talk about the, 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 actually, let's talk about the change rooms first. You went into the female toilet. What, what, when you walked in, what was your impression of that? Wow. It was so nice. It, it's nice. To, so I walk in and there's this, uh, like one of those backstage, like you're an actress, you know, with the little, the little yeah. lights around the mirror, um, which was really cool. And they had some full length mirrors as well. And a lot of space to change out. If you don't want to wear your, whatever you're wearing that night into the club, you want to bring your bag. So I really liked that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you weren't like elbow to elbow. So it wasn't awkward you know, yeah. good lighting. It was good. So yeah, you, you walked in. I mean, I thought the decor was beautiful. It had a little coat rack, mm-hmm. I noticed as well. And it had a little changing room in the in the corner. And where you're talking about with that mirror with all the lights, it even had, I think, five different types of perfume. Mm-hmm. And in the actual bathroom area next door on the table, it also had, um, I think, some mouthwash and, and mints. Right. Mints were in there as well. And I was like, this is really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was beautiful. That the, I think there was a neon light in there that said something like, you're beautiful or something. It was beautiful. But I thought that it was really thoughtful. Yeah. They thought of all the little extras that you may not have thought of. Like you go to have dinner before you go to the club and you're like, oh, I didn't bring any mints. Mm-hmm. And so they think of all those little details. That was cool. Well, I asked you if you had perfume on. Remember? Right? I was, we were in the car and I was like, hey, do you have any perfume in your car? Mm-hmm. And um, I, got, I got there and I was like, man, perfume. Wow. <laughs> and then just like a goldfish completely forgot to put any on. <laughs> so that was, that was cool. I liked that fact that you could feel like you could freshen up. Mm-hmm. You know, which is super important if you're actually going to go play as well. I think being able to go in there and freshen up a little bit mm-hmm. makes you feel a little bit more sexy if you do decide to go and play in the back rooms. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the back rooms because there was this was different for me and you clarified why. So let's let me just set the scene here. So they have a lot of different private rooms in this club, which is great. The doors themselves also have a lock on them. So some clubs vary with how they operate a private room, if they have ropes, if they have locks, those sorts of things. These all, these private rooms all had locks on the doors, which was good if you just want to go in there and play with another couple and have that sexy environment, but you know maybe not be gawked at. But what, I, what stood out for me was the lack of beds. So you answered this. I was like, man, I wish they had some beds in here. Tell me about that. Why don't they have beds? Yeah, so uh, that was a, a common complaint I heard about with Menage as well, or the old club here in Nashville. And you brought that up, and it was a good point, because you can't have anything with a sheet on it in the state of Tennessee that's considered something that someone would sleep on, or it takes you into like a hospitality-type venue, and it's a whole different 
all the things. So it's a, it just can't happen. So, but it was something that was brought up a lot. I think maybe they should explain that mm. to people better so they don't just think, well, we, they just don't have them because yeah. they don't want to have them. Um, so that's a requirement. Yeah, which blew my mind, the fact that it takes it into this almost like hotel-like situation. But what I did, what I did enjoy was the fact that the couches that they had in those rooms, they weren't a futon, but I guess they were kind of futon-esque. Mm-hmm. in that you could flip the back down right, and create maybe a half single bed or a single bed sized thing that you can play on. So whilst they can't have beds, I think they did really well with their choice of furniture that went into some of these rooms because it was bed-like mm-hmm. um, as far as I guess they can be without breaking into the law, right? Right, right. So that was, that was really good. They had, I think, ample playrooms. Now, they did have a couple of really large couches and actually, I think Jay was holding court on one of the couches for a while, showing everybody his dick um, for a bit. No, was, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> you didn't actually go back there when that was happening, did you? I did not, no. Let me just, let me just tell you, that's story time. It, half the group disappeared, and they went into the back playrooms. And I was walking around, like, just checking on people and seeing what was going on. And I opened the door to the playroom, which it goes from the dance floor and the DJ booth to the playroom area, and there's this huge L-shaped couch. And there's Jay with his pants around his ankles and his dick out. (laughs) And about, I don't know, 12 people sitting in front of him, staring at his dick. Of course. Of course, in the open playroom area. And what it was was Jay explaining how his uh, penis pump works, I guess. But it was just Jay. It was Jay's demonstration. It was Jay's demonstration. (laughs) So funny. But I, I did like some of those big couches because for me, sometimes moving from the dance floor to the playrooms directly can feel funny. And I think that that big L-shaped couch there by the door felt like a good way to get a little bit sexier, get a little bit closer, a little bit touchy-feely without walking straight into a bed. Right, true. You you know, so I thought that was a nice little, I guess, warm-up, you know, kind of lube-up situation happening in there where you can go in and not feel like, okay, now we've got to go from dancing straight into fucking. Like there was that transition. Yeah, there's no gray area. It's black or white, you know. The nice thing, too, about having a large couch area is unlike kind of what we were saying about people that hang out and mingle out around the dance floor where it may be better to stand, the sitting option in the back is actually a little more comfortable because when you're, especially if you're watching, Mm. you feel a bit creepy, or I do, if I'm just standing, Mm -hmm. staring, you know, it's like, okay. So if you sit down, you've got a little more, you feel a little more included and maybe you can sit a little closer to whoever you're with or, you know, it's just, it's a little different feel than just standing and gawking, so to speak. So that's true. Or sitting on a dining room type chair. Right. Watching. For some reason, the chair matters for me. Yeah. Like a lounge chair, I feel less sleazy and creepy. But if I was sitting watching somebody fuck on a dining room chair, mentally, I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) now I'm delving into like the creepy realm. Right. But on a lounge chair where you can like lean back and just kind of sit and enjoy the show if somehow feels more natural. Right. When you watch live porn. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Weird though. <laughs> um, yeah, I, li- I really liked that section. I think they had a good mix of private rooms and public rooms. They had the, the standard kind of fishbowl voyeur room that they had there. You know, you can stand outside and, and watch through the, through the mirror. And the orgasm meter. And the orgasm meter. Never seen that before. That's new for me. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah. So it was like a, uh, it was different bars in the window. It was like, it would light up versus uh, or kind of explaining what the audio is inside the room. And so you go inside the room and you could talk and those little bars would light up. So it was interesting because you couldn't hear 
or what was happening outside the room, which you could see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty cool. How much screaming was going on or like, you know, flesh tapping sounds. (laughs) Yeah. Smack, smack. Smack, smack (laughs) was happening in there. And then in the back room, they had some, a selection of different pieces of equipment and one that's brand new. Mm-hmm. which Angie really, really enjoyed. And that was actually a female glory hole. This is not something that is very common at clubs. Like Never that, even heard of that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you haven't heard of it, so I'm going to let you actually explain it then because... <laughs> it was really cool. I don't know if they have different themes that you can buy, but this was kind of like an old castle and it was well done. And basically, so Angie demonstrated for us, You, the the woman will lay in on her back and there's like a curtain that kind of comes down over the the lower part of her, like kind of her pelvic area. And then you kind of fasten her ankles up in these chains. Shackles. Yeah. And I do want to make sure it's important to note that there were handles inside. Angie was very excited (laughs) about the handle. What was she calling them? Steel handle or metal or whatever. She was like, they're not even plastic. They're, they're substantial. Like, they're quality ones. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, what? whoever you're playing with, you know, they're, you're, you're not able to see them. And so it's uh, very unique. I, I've never, this was a first for me. I was pretty excited about it. Angie was excited about it yeah. as well. Yeah. A lot of people, not a lot of people, I won't say that, but some people really enjoy not knowing. You know, that that is a, a definitely a, a kink for a lot of people, just that. I don't know who's touching me. I don't know who's, you know, doing I mean, And you can obviously stipulate if you're with a group and you have five people that you're with, you could easily stipulate like I'm consenting and I'm okay and I feel comfortable for any of you five. And of course, if some random person walked in the room, they're not going to randomly walk up and like touch you, of course. But right. um, so there's that element of the unknown. And a lot of people really, really like that. And that's why male glory holes are quite common. But for a female one, super uncommon. So I'm I'm intrigued and I would love to know how many people are actually using that at the club. It's, it's brand new. They just got it, I think, on the Friday. Oh, wow. Okay, so cool. I'd be interested to kind of check back in with them in a month and say like, hey, just out of curiosity, like how many people are actually using it? Because like you, not a lot of people have seen them before. So maybe it's something to experiment with. I'd be interested to know from you guys out there listening to at what comfort level would you feel would you would you be interested in that like is that a turn on to not know who's touching you licking you whatever it is to to go into this thing would you do it if you knew the group that you were with uh yeah i would if i knew the group uh for sure i think it would be it would be kind of sexy yeah i'd definitely try it i do have to say it's interesting how the female glory hole is so much more elaborate than a male glory hole which is just a hole (laughs) just a hole in the wall (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's the kiss principle right there. Keep right. it simple, stupid. It's a hole. You've got a dick. Put your dick in the hole. Right, right. Done. So the the, the company that sells male glory holes went out of business compared to the... Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. The very yeah. elaborate castle. <laughs> right. Here's a hole. Here's a castle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like treated like a princess. I've told you before. While I'm getting fucked by random strangers, I want to be treated like a princess. Right. There I, you go. I don't know why you think that's odd. I really. know a place you can go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And then in the back room, they had the, the St. Andrew's Cross, they had a swing, and they had a, a paddle board. But the they also had a shadow box light, which was like a secret room, mm-hmm. which I thought was really well done too. So I think the club, in terms of the playroom, they had lots of different things that you could explore, which I, I really liked as well. I think that the, some of the playrooms that I've been to are just playrooms. They're just beds in a room, or they might be you know, a large orgy room, or they might be little private beds with like sheer curtains between them. 
so you've got the sound and the sights but not necessarily directly there and stuff whereas i thought that they've tried to include all facets of people in non-monogamy and sex positivity if you are a little bit more kinkier if you do like that voyeur or the exhibition side i thought they did well with what they had Mm -hmm. and that one side the single men could go in and one side they could not isn't that right that's right yeah so that the one side next to the bar single men that's where they can go into the playrooms Mm -hmm. couples can invite them in there and the other side is couples and single females okay so that's that's nice. I mean, having a club too that's thought through where people can go, I think is is quite relaxing because sometimes with those the clubs that do allow single men, there might be for brand new couples, they might have uh, just, you know, some fears around that um, and having the idea that there is thought process into how the single men can engage, you know, that they're allowed to roam. I mean, they're not chained to the bar by any by any means, but having the knowledge that, you know, yeah, single men are there, but here's the what we've put into practice and where they can go. I think that adds just an element of, I guess, safety and security for people that might be having their first time there and a little bit concerned. So I liked that. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's talk about, before we wrap up, let's talk about the clientele. Okay. So when I visit different clubs here in the States or around the world, I think there is a generalization and a stereotype of the type of people that are going to these places. So, for example, if you go to La Masque or uh, Le Chandelier in Paris, the dress code is that you have to dress up. They just don't permit entry. So you know that there's going to be certain type of clientele that's in there. And, you know, if you go to, say, Florida clubs, you know that there's going to be maybe a lot of more tourists in the Florida clubs versus some clubs where it's mostly the home base. What was your overall impression of the, the people that were there? Uh, there were so they had a sports theme on Saturday, and probably I'd say half the people dressed up for that, and the other half just dressed kind of in sexy dresses and attire. So I think that they everybody pretty much adhered to the rule of you know you can't just pile in here looking like garbage. You know, put mm-hmm. some effort into your appearance, um, which was nice. So I I would say they. I, I didn't read that. I didn't go through that, but I'm sure they have a dress code, you know, certain closed-toed shoes and that kind of thing. It's sad they have to say all of that, but it's a thing apparently. But I think everybody was well-dressed and, and you know, appropriately, you know, they had their, not necessarily cocktail dresses, but, you know, like club type mm, yeah. wear on for the, for especially for the females. So. Yeah, there was a distinct lack of Crocs and socks, which I thought was good. Um, I, I enjoyed that. So whether that's, again, yeah, part of their rules, lack of Crocs and socks, I don't know. But I, I liked that they, there, was a, there was a lack of them. Right. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I think that when, when people wonder about who's in these clubs, and especially with the way that things are marketed in the lifestyle, I mean, marketing is marketing. It's there because you want to entice people. It exists for a reason, right? And a lot of the times when people are looking at ads for clubs or products or resorts, they don't necessarily see themselves in that marketing. You know, they see models and people that have been hand-selected to market that company. So we get asked a lot, well, what do the people look like on the inside? Am I going to fit? Does this mirror who I am or is it the, the way that things are marketed? And honestly, I would say that the bulk of people that I saw were in the 40 to 50 mark. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So that if you're looking at the bell curve on like the actual population that was in the club, I would say 40s and 50s and then, you know, some in the 30s and then some older than that. So pretty standard, I think, for what we see generally in the lifestyle. And yeah, I just think that people were in there just having a good time. I will say that I didn't see as much mingling with other groups, you know, in terms of what you said before, like there was pockets of groups and I didn't see a lot of intermingling. 
between either those groups or if you had a couple come in. Because I was watching a few couples that came in and they just sat at the chairs and they just sat there all night, you know, and whether that was their first time or not. But um, I didn't see a lot of that kind of mingling that I would have liked to have right. just seen because it makes me happy when people are making connections and, and that's all lovely. But, I mean, there's nothing the club can do about that. Yeah, except really. Except force people to get, get up and... The DJ announces, get away from your table and fellowship with somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was kind of the clientele. But what I will say, um, areas for improvement for me, speaking about the DJ, was definitely the DJ. I think for, for when I visit clubs, there are certain areas of the clubs where there is a, a lot of responsibility. And that is generally the bartender section, making sure that people get their drinks on time, they get them in a timely fashion, that they're cheerful, you know, kind of keeping that upbeat momentum going. And the DJ is the beating heart of a club it for me. It really is, yeah. And I thought that whilst the DJ does take requests, I really felt that when you have an empty dance floor, the DJ needs to make some amendments to the playlist, you know, change things up a little bit. And I really think that overall, if I was to look at the space, look at the evening, look at how people, you know, half the people were in dress – there were moments when the dance floor was full and then it dissipated again. Right. You know, and I think that you need to take a take a look at what's happening there, get a feel for the crowd and then kind of play to that. And I, I really felt like the DJ really did let the club down that night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the like you said, it's the beating heart. It's the lifeline of the vibe of the entire night. It's the energy. And when you play a great song and everybody goes out and they're excited and there's so many people on the dance floor, that's when, in my opinion, the DJ reads the room and says, okay, we need to keep this energy up mm-hmm. so you don't throw a slow song next, you know, yeah. where everybody's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh man, you know, so I do think that's important. It's not an easy job to be a DJ. It's a lot of work, especially when people are coming at you with requests left and right, but you can't always get to request. And, and sometimes you look at the song and you go, oh, that's yeah. not, you know, you like it, but the other people in here, I can guarantee you will not. So, you know, maybe a sign or just stating, you know, I, I try to get to request, but I can't get to the mall. Yeah. And then uh, just keeping that vibe up. It's super important because that is that's the whole that's your energy. It is your energy. And I think that um, it also is the lubrication to heading back in the back rooms as Amen. well. Yep. Because body language, feeling that sensuality or lack thereof between the person that you might be interested in, most of the time it's starting with a mingle, having some flirting, you know, some drinks and then dancing. And that's when you start to really get a feel for is this person sensual? Am I interested in them? How do they dance? Like body language is such a big thing. And so that is why it's just such a critical part of it, because really, as a DJ, you're helping to get people laid. Like, if you don't do a good job, ain't nobody getting fucking laid. So, like, there's, that's, a, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Right. I love what you called it earlier, the foreplay. It is, yeah. Yeah. It is. It's the, it's the foreplay, because, I mean, there's so many times when I've been out on a dance floor with a, a guy that I liked, and we just didn't have that body chemistry. And I, we didn't play, you right. know, and there's been times when I've maybe been, I don't know, on the fence and then you get that, that feeling and you're, you're dancing and it's just flowing and you're having a good time and it's sexy mm-hmm. and you, you, you know, it gets sexier and sexier as the night progresses for me as well. Like you might start out with some of those party beats, get people, like you said, energetic. Mm-hmm. And then you got to start really getting into that. Like, okay, it's, it's time to fuck music. Like you need to, you know, <laughs> right. there needs to be almost like this progression, I think for how the evening goes, but yeah. I mean, yeah, he took requests, you know, he tried his best, but for me, that was like, if I was to be picky about something that I thought didn't go well, that would be my, my number one. Right. And I did hear that a lot from others. You know, that was a, I think that was kind of the general, the general consensus. Theme. Yeah. Yeah. 
But overall, I, I thought it was a, it was a good club. I mean, they've been open for three months. I think they're doing a good job. I think that they're open for feedback as well, which is always really nice. You know, I don't think they've got the ego of we know everything that we're doing. They were open. One of the owners actually came up and said, hey, any feedback you got, like, let us know, which was nice. So I think they're really trying their, their best. Yeah. In terms of distance from the city, is that common, um, a length of – because some of the clubs might be like 10 minutes to the city centre. Mm-hmm. Other clubs are like 15. I think this one's about 25. Yeah, it's a, it's a little out of the way. Um, it's not inside of Nashville. It's not too bad. I, I think that as a, as a whole, especially like in Georgia – um, with that trapeze, that's kind of the, it, it didn't stand out to me as being an issue. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, so that'd be pretty common for people. if Yeah. It's tough to get a club like that inside of Nashville, especially yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall though, like if you had people coming to town and they wanted to go, you would recommend yeah, I do. I would. Yeah, check it out. It, you know, it's a clean place. That's a big yeah. That's true. You know, standard for me. You know, it it wasn't dank or smelly, and I mean, and unfortunately, clubs like that can get that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't, I didn't have any reservations about that kind of thing. So I, I was glad to check it out. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's something I didn't even think about. But it was like I would say, well ventilated, well circulated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. And that's a thing that I've seen it where it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, talking about buzzkill. It's like, yeah, oh, that's, that's it. Smelly. <laughs> You're too smelly. Okay. Um, no, thank you. Well, there you go. That's been the, the theater group. I was excited to go there. Happy that we got to check it out in Nashville. Um, always, always happy to check out other clubs and, and see kind of how they operate and, you know, get a feel for what's happening in the lifestyle. But I was excited to go and I'm happy we did. And it was a good night. I had a really fun time. It was fun. Yeah. yeah we had a blast. We did. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. That has been Andy with Double Date Nation and uh, fellow co-co-host uh, Stewie. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So what makes a club awesome? I mean, there are so many different facets of what makes a swingers club awesome. And honestly, it's going to be a different answer for everybody, right? Like I said in that interview there that the DJ really is the heart and the soul of the club and they're also the foreplay and the lubrication to kind of hang back in the playrooms. But the playrooms really matter as well. You know, how, what equipment do they have in the playrooms? How do they keep and maintain those playrooms? Like all of these things matter, but they matter different ways to different people. I was talking to some friends recently and we were talking about security and privacy at a swingers event or swingers club. And it amazed me how much those things mattered to myself and how little they mattered to other people. And the other people were saying, no, no, no. For us, it is all about who is there. Like we want to see that there are going to be some sexy people that we find attractive on the guest list going to this party or this club or this event Otherwise, it's not for us. And I just find that really, really interesting. So I'm curious, what matters to you guys? Like when you're thinking about going to a club or you visit a club, what is a standout thing for you? Is it just the people? Or can we move past the people and think more about how the club is operating, how they're marketing themselves? And are they really driving that tribe and those attendees to be a certain way or not? Before I get into my Litrotica story, I do have to say some thanks to new Patreon members. It takes two, Bourbon Babe and Adam. Thank you so much for joining us over on Patreon. We really, really appreciate it. If you're interested in helping the podcast and sponsoring us, please head over to patreon.com forward slash swinging down under. It is in the show notes if you just want to click that link. And for five bucks a month, you guys can support us and be part of our members. Right. 
Okay, two more shout outs. A random shout out because after Andy and I actually recorded the podcast episode talking about the club that we visited, the theatre group, we actually went on TikTok live together. And it was really fun, by the way, like super great to just kind of hang out with a girlfriend and, and be on TikTok live. But whilst we were doing it, some of the local Nashville people actually came into the TikTok live and we were actually talking about the female glory hole at the time. And one of them mentioned who built it. So a random, random shout out to Crackenbeard, who I'm sure probably doesn't even listen to the podcast, but it was Crackenbeard, a local Nashville person from TikTok that actually made the glory hole in the club. So I just thought that was super cool to find out who actually built it and uh, get to experience that ourselves. And I really want to say thank you to anyone who bought me a birthday gift from my wish list. Um, I got quite a few gifts actually sent to Nashville from my Amazon wish list. And if you bought me one of those, your custom content, I promise, I promise, I promise, is coming soon. So I'm going to be doing a lot of photos and a lot of filming tomorrow. And that's going to be all of that custom content that you guys um, deserve from sending me the gifts in the post. So let's now get onto it. And I'm going to share a glory hole Lit Rodica story to head us out for today's podcast. Okay, so this is credit to an author on Lit Rodica. So I am going to put that link in the show notes today. But I thought this was kind of like a fun little story to head us out on the podcast today. So I walked back to see how Michelle was going. And she just said, feel how wet my pussy is. And that will answer your question. I dipped a finger between her legs and she was dripping wet. She kissed me and told me that she was going to start out in missionary position and see what happened after that. I walked her over to the cubicle and she laid down, sliding her bottom half through the open, large, cut-out hole in the wall and adjusting the height of the table so that her legs rested comfortably on the floor. Richard had thought of everything. Michelle asked me to wait with her until the first man approached her. From behind the wall, I heard Richard say, All right, gentlemen, please have a wonderful evening and please respect our ladies who have generously agreed to entertain us tonight. I heard the mumbling of men talking about which woman they wanted to start with. It was only a moment before Michelle told me someone was touching her legs. My heart was beating faster. She informed me that he was now eating her pussy and her breathing got heavier and heavier until she began to moan softly. She grabbed my hand tightly when she told me he had started to fuck her. I watched as her tits started to bounce as a stranger was now using my wife's pussy. I told Michelle, I need to see this dear, I'll be back, and I gave her a light kiss on the lips. She then told me, Ken, please don't fuck any of the other women. I smiled and reassured her, you are the only one for me dear, this cock is yours. I left the cubicle and entered the main room to see four guys lined up to fuck my wife. I didn't know the protocol, but it seemed like they would fuck a woman for about five minutes and then let another guy have a turn. Apparently, it was so they could each fuck each woman and the woman could fuck each guy. My wife was going to fuck and suck 20 cocks tonight, a thought that made my dick get hard immediately. Over the next hour, I watched man after man stick their dick into my wife's eager pussy. Old men, young men, fat guys, thin guys along with Brad and the VP of my wife's company, all taking turns using her with different sized dicks. So there you go, guys. That's a little bit of a glory hole lit Rodica story. It is really, really interesting to think about and fantasize about the just stranger appeal of all of this. And if you were out there and you thought that was a huge turn on, you're not alone. And if you're out there and you think that's not for me, 
you're also absolutely not alone. But it just goes to show you that there are so many different ways that people in the lifestyle or just people that really want to explore their sexuality in general can go. So I really, really enjoyed that. And as I mentioned, if you want to read the entire thing, because it's like a six-page novel, basically, you can check out the link in the show notes for Lit Rodica. All right, guys, I'm going to head out now for episode 144, all about my recent trip to Nashville. Coming up, we are going to be talking about hosting sex parties, and that is a review of the Swingers Help mini booklet about hosting sex parties. So that's going to come up really soon. Daryl and I are going to record that and get it out and about because we are going to be packing for the Netherlands. Oh my God, what an exciting change. But really appreciate you guys hanging in there for episode 144. Please feel free to drop us an email on email at wanderlustswingers.com. Wanderlust is spelled with an A, not an O. So we would absolutely love to hear from you guys. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, please let us know. And if you got the time, maybe drop us a review on Apple or Spotify. It's been great chatting to you guys, and I hope to talk to you all really, really soon. Bye. You put it right up to your mouth. I sit pretty close. You'll hear it in the. You'll hear yourself. But you project better. I have no projection, so I have to like. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes with the way that they work, if you're depending on the kind of mic, if you're too close, too far away, if mm-hmm. I project, I might end up on your track. That's well, true. This is, well, this is a setup there. You have to be close so okay. it doesn't pick each other up. Okay. Because that's what we were doing. Because he's breathing. Loud. Cause like, <sighs> and I feel like you're going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing an ASMR track now. Oh, we should do that. That's what they're doing on the live last night. They were doing ASMR? Well, I mean, they were eating the fucking pretzels oh, and stuff. <laughs> That'd be repulsive. <laughs> okay. It's so Andy from Double Donation. Okay. Yeah.